welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. moment and tell him you're so grateful you're so grateful to him for him you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy we bless you hallelujah 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 thank you lord trust in you. Aren't you grateful you can put your trust in him? Everybody say firm foundation. You know, he's a firm foundation when we're believing for things. He's a firm foundation for our relationship with God. You know, you may have come in here this morning and, and we're singing that song, I will build my life upon your word and you haven't done a good job of that. But you know what? Your acceptance with God is not based upon you doing a good job of that. It's based upon your trust and the truth that Jesus did a good job of that and he gave his life to remove and take upon himself those mistakes, failures, and sins. Amen? He is a good one to trust in. Amen? Just say this when they say, Lord, I put my trust in you. For my salvation, for my future, for all my hopes and dreams. Thank you that you're a firm foundation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. He's a good foundation. Amen? Say with me. Say, God is good. His word is true. And it works in my life. Amen. Turn and wave at somebody or shake a hand. Let them know you're glad they're here this morning. We're glad you made it out. And you can be seated. Amen. We're glad you are here. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glad you made it. If you're a guest here and you're wondering why I'm wearing a jersey, I don't normally wear a jersey on Sunday mornings. But if you're blind and don't watch TV, you won't recognize. It's Super Bowl Sunday and we got a chili cook-off, so we planned a good fun day for everybody to have a good time together. So a um, little bit different Sunday, but we're glad our guests made it here this morning. Give our guests a hand. Let them know we're glad they're with us. Amen. You can be seated. 
Um, and uh, so we're grateful you came and glad you're here. And, you know, we like to encourage people that, you know, if you're checking out or looking for a church, you know, it's really important, I think, you know, uh, to, to, to give it a couple of shots. You know, we, we've got a campaign. I'm long, I, actually, I want to talk to you today. We talked about as a group, uh, you know, a, 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 a really us increasing our urgency to reach people and to find those that are looking for churches to, you know, give us a shot. And so uh, uh, we, we had a campaign called 54321. It's a little confusing, so I just want to make it simple. Everybody say three Sundays. Three Sundays. You know, and so we encourage guests that come. Uh, to, to just make it three Sundays. Why? Because there may be an area we didn't have our best foot forward this morning, but three Sundays will let you know if that's consistent or if that's just a mistake. Also, we may have an area that we really excelled in something, and you may show up three weeks and it's not there the next two. It really gives you an opportunity to get a good picture. So if you're looking for a church home, I'd tell you anywhere you go, give that church three weeks. And so we're encouraging our membership as well. If you've got friends that don't have a church home or somebody that's lost or hurting that needs the Lord and needs Jesus, invite them out for three consecutive weeks. Make it purposeful. You know, Jesus said to go and make disciples, not just church visitors, right, but disciples. Go find somebody and ask them, could you join me for three consecutive weeks? And uh, we're just glad for our guests that did make it today and hope you'll make it back if you're looking for a church home. So give them a hand again. Let them know we're glad they're here. Amen. And for all of us that are here, I'm glad you're here this morning. We love you. Me and Delise are praying for you, believing for good things in your life. But, you know, sometimes life jumps up and bites you. So if you've got a prayer request or a prayer need that you want uh, someone to agree with you in prayer about, a couple of ways you can do that. First of all, on the seat back in front of you, there's a card you can fill out. And during the break here in just a moment, you can bring your card forward and drop it into the offering bucket. And, uh, and just let us know that you're actually, I was going to say buckets, but we're short ones. So uh, the offering bucket. Um, we usually have two up here, uh, but anyway, if you'll go ahead and just bring your card forward and uh, just drop it in there, we'll know about it. Uh, that'll get turned into me and our prayer partner team, and we'll be praying for you throughout the week. Uh, or if you're not a you know pen and paper type of person, you can go to our website at GFCVA, and you can fill out a prayer request, and we get those immediately when you send them. Um, or last of all, we have prayer partners. Uh, that'll be up here at the uh, end of the service to be able to pray with you. If you want somebody to join hands with you, if we don't have an altar call or a time during the service that addresses your need, you can always go see them, and they're there to pray with you, agree with you, stand with you, right? Uh, it's something about joining hands. Jesus said when we agree that it's possible for all things to take place, right? So uh, find somebody to stand and agree with you, and they'll, they'll check on you throughout the week even if you like just to make sure things are going well. And so we care about you, we love you, and that's really what our church is all about. We want to be a place where you can meet friends, worship God, hear the word, and be a blessing, right? Where you can meet friends, you can come in here and worship God freely and by the Spirit as the Scripture teaches us. You can hear the uncompromised word of God, and you can take all of that and go out and be the person God's called you to be, and that's a blessing to others. And so uh, just glad you're here this morning believing for good things. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, we want to take a moment right now to, to, to receive our offering. We don't pass the buckets as we said. We just have them up front. Um, but what we do is we like to pray and believe God. As a pastor, I like to pray and believe God for a return on your, you know, your, your seed that you're sowing. And also just to trust God together as a church that all the needs of the church are being met through your faithful giving. So a couple ways to give. You can give by the methods that are online. There, there are uh, offering envelopes on the seat back in front of you. But in a moment, you can bring them forward, but let's take a moment to worship God with our giving. I say it every week, giving shouldn't be a ritual, it shouldn't be a bill you pay, it should be something you do as a form of worship to God that says, I recognize you're my prov provider and you're my source, so I want to give back according to your word and how you've commanded me to do that, amen? So let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for each person here and each faithful giver to the ministry here. I thank you that th that, that faithful giving meets the needs of this ministry and helps us accomplish the things you've called us to do as a church to reach others. 
and be a blessing to the world around us. But I thank you through the faithful giving of your people, they are sowing seed that is an investment in their future. And so I thank you for joining with them, and thank you, Father God, for that seed returning to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I thank you for raises, jobs, promotion, favor, increase, all the things necessary to not only help them succeed in their life spiritually, but also financially so that they can be a blessing to the world around them and just give like you've called us to give. And so we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, uh, we're going to, uh, as you noticed on the way in, a little bit different this morning, chili cook-off. And so because of that, our children, our, K through, our first through fifth graders will remain in the service today. So normally we would dismiss them right now, but they're going to be in here. And I've sort of uh, fashioned my message a little bit to sort of hopefully accommodate them as well. But um, uh, that's this morning. So, so, uh, so what we're going to do right now, as opposed to dismissing the kids... Uh, we're just going to stand to our feet, meet and greet for a few moments, bring your offerings forward to the offering buckets, and then in just a moment we'll jump into the Word and, uh, and we'll receive what God has for us. Amen. You can meet and greet. Or Chris, they can let you know what's going on, or Ben or Sarah or any of those leaders, they can let you know what's going on there. And then also, you will notice that in the next couple of weeks, our youth will be raising some money for youth camp. Um, they'll be going to youth camp in June. Uh, the cost per teen for that is about $325. And I got to tell you, I've looked at other camps that are a week long, and they're six, seven hundred dollars. So the camp we go to does a really good job of keeping the cost as low as possible, but there's still cost to cover for each kid that goes. And so they'll be selling chocolate bars, doing all sorts of other different stuff to try to raise some money and offset the cost for their families. And so uh, be looking for those opportunities to support our teens as they're raising money for camp, because uh, that should be a good time for them. All right, um, as you're aware, you know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and so. Um, you know, I started a series last week entitled For God So Loved the World, and we'll pick that up next week. But I just felt like based on the theme for today, the fact that we've got our first through fifth graders in the service with us, I wanted to do a special message entitled Win Big in the Big Game of Life. I want to talk to you about the, the game of life and how to actually uh, win according to the biblical perspective of winning in the game of life. And so 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 uh, we'll read this as our opening text, and then we'll pray together and believe God for what he has for us today. Um, first, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, 8 says this. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at the day, and not, only to, me, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you. So much for your word. Thank you for the fact that each person here this morning is here uh, and you love them and you care about them and, and you care about where their life is right now and you desire more than anything to speak to their heart and make yourself more real to them than you were when they came in. And so I just ask you to do that through the sharing of your word, through the fellowship we have together. Just thank you for your spirit having liberty here uh, to help us hone in on you and, uh, and make this Sunday, uh, with all the other things that are going on, about understanding and growing closer to you. And so I just give you thanks and praise for helping me do that as I share the word this morning so that we can say we're better because we came to church today. So I give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I titled this, uh, again, Winning Big in the Big Game of Life. And um, if you're breathing this morning, if you're sitting here this morning, how have you realized you're in 
the game of life. How many of you realize that? Um, you know, uh, even if you maybe don't want to be, you know, sometimes you're going through stuff in your life and you maybe don't want to be. I, I'm reminded of my uh, first experience with football as a first grader. I thought it was kindergarten, but after I thought about it, it was first grade. Uh, I lived in Bedford at the time, and, um, and my, my uh, dad thought it was a good idea to put me and my brother in, in football. My brother was six years older than me, and so um, back then, uh, people didn't have, the, the uh, I guess, the experience, or maybe they just were just plain dumb. <laughs> but back in the late 70s, um, you know, if you played youth league football, first grade through seventh grade all played together. <laughs> so, you know, here I am in first grade, you know, with barely being able to fit into the outfit, but, you know, dad thought it was a good idea that I played. And the rec league thought it was a good idea to let me get out there. And so I'm out there playing. Well, obviously, you know, I'm not the best player on the team as a first grader. My brother's a seventh grader. And, and so uh, they put me in the uniform, and uh, we played all season long. And I spent most of my time standing on the sidelines, you know, running non-contact hitting drills where I just sort of learned the essence of the game. But the coach thought, you know, great opportunity here last game of the season to give him a chance to play. Uh, and so uh, just to get on the field. And so they had, an op- had a kickoff, uh, the opening kickoff of the game. Uh, and he put me in a very obscure place uh, on the opening kickoff of the game where it was no chance that I would get the football. Um, and so I'm standing there and opening, referee blows the whistle. <laughs> <I'm> on- <laughs> and, and the guy kicks the ball and flubs it. And it comes right up in the air straight coming to me. (laughs) Now, as a a young guy excited to be on the field, I was like, this is great. I'm going to get to catch the football. And you're talking first grade, catching a kick to you is a pretty big deal. Well, I caught it. But when I caught it, I looked ahead of me. (laughs) And there were, all of them were bigger than me, but there were two guys that were twin brothers that played on that team. Their last name was Ware. I still remember their name to this day from the first grade left an indelible impression on me. They're barreling down at me as hard as they can come. No mercy whatsoever. And I'm holding the ball thinking, I thought I was glad to be here, but I don't want to be in this game. Well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I wasn't smart enough to do that. So I grab the ball and I start running. And the coach is yelling, get down, Tommy, get down. I'm running, running, running. I mean, and those guys drill me. I mean, they crush me. And, 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 and to my credit, I held on to the football. Um, and, and, but, but, and, and, uh, and, and my brother picked me up, and he said, don't worry, Tommy, I'll get him the rest of the game for you. So um, thank God for big brothers. But I was in a situation where I was in a game, but I really didn't want to be there. So here's the deal. You know, life, you're in it. And whether you want to be in it or not, uh, you're a participant in this game called life. So uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about, today about how to have success in life, how to win in life, because, you know, that's much better than the alternative, isn't it? Uh, how many of you realize being miserable in life, and you may be there, right, but it's not a very fun place to be. And so I want to talk to you today about how to win in life. Notice in our opening text, Paul said there was a crown of righteousness for him. There is a way to live your life. Uh, according to scripture, so that you win in the big game of life. Now, if you think about it for a minute, um, you know, tonight, Super Bowl, they're going to give away a Lombardi trophy uh, for the team that has the highest score. And and that team that has the highest score is going to come to that game with uh, two things. 
that are really going to determine whether they win that game. They're going to come to the game first with a game plan. And Paul, notice he said there, he said, I finished my course. There was a plan for my life, and I finished it, right? And so they're going to come to the, uh, that, that game with a plan. Well, we come to life. God created us with a plan and a purpose for our life. But, you know, just having a plan doesn't mean you'll win at the game because just having a plan is just a plan. You have to execute the plan. And that's the second thing that's going to determine who wins the game tonight is the team that executes their plan the best, right? And there are going to be twists and turns and everything else, but the team that enforces their will and does what they want to do the best is going to be the team that wins. And so for us to win in life, we have to have a plan and we have to have an execution of a plan to win in life. And so I want to talk to you today about what is the blueprint, what is the game plan for you to be able to win in life. But before I do, I want to stress this, that when I talk about the game of life, I may not, or maybe, uh, I, I know what I'm talking about, but it may not be what you're thinking. Because when we think about life, we think about the dirty here and now, right? We think about right here where we live, what we're going through. But when I talk about the big game of life, I'm talking about life in respect to eternity. How do you win the game of eternity? How do you win that game? So that when you come out on the other side, you're able to say, as Paul did, I ran my course, I finished my race, and there's a crown for me. How do you do that in your life? See, because what's, in, what's going on on this planet right now, how many of you realize uh, that's not the end of your existence? We've all been uh, created by God, and, and being created by God, we've been created with an eternal spirit. And after this life is over, there's something more. Notice Paul said, he said, I finished my course Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He pointed out that after this life, there was something still for him, right? And we see that again in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It says, and as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So just because you die physically doesn't mean it ends for you. That just means you've separated your spirit from your physical body, and then you go into eternity, and that's a very real place. Matter of fact, it's more real than where we live right now. In the grand scheme of things, think about it. 60, 70, 90, maybe 120 years. But in the scheme of eternity, it's but the opening whistle of the game, right? And so how do you win in this game called life? Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 says this. It says, I mean, think about this for a minute. How... How disappointing would it be for a person to live their entire life and think they were playing by uh, the right game plan and they're pursuing the things that they think are important to find out at the end of the game they look up at the scoreboard and they realize, I, I, I didn't win, I lost. And that's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. He says, well, what good is it, for what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet to forfeit his soul. See, we've got a world around us. Everybody say around us. If you're here this morning, there's something in you that's seeking God. There's something in you that, that loves the Lord. That's why you're here, right? Or, or maybe you're in a spot in your life that you want to meet him, maybe if you never have, right? But there's something in you. But, but there's a world around us that is pursuing so many other things. You know, every generation has its goals and aspirations, right? But every generation's goals really fall into three buckets. Over in 1 John, it tells us that there are three really buckets that a human being can pursue that is not stooped in steeped in eternity. And those three things are really the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
And the lust of the flesh really talks about really a pursuit of life that says that whatever feels good, that's what I'm going to do. That's really the lust of the flesh, right? And, and, and i got to tell you, every culture has a different way of pursuing that. If you look at every generation, it changes the focus, but the heart of it's the same. Whatever feels good, I'm going to do, right? Then you've got the lust of the eyes, which is really a, a life of consumption. You see it and you want it. It's a life of consuming as much of life as you possibly can. And some people, you know, they accumulate wealth and, 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 and conquest and achievements, and, but at the end of it, that's, that's, that's from this world system, and that's not how you win in the game of life. <laughs> it's just not. So there's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and there's the pride of life. The pride of life is, uh, it's, a, it's a quest to be acknowledged by people. It's a quest to have so many achievements so that you're recognizable. Maybe it's to have your name on a building, right? Or maybe it's to say you were a great at something, right? And, and, and although pursuing those things in this life in the realm of, you know, like even athletics, it's, it's a distraction and it's fine uh, in this life as long as you're keeping your eyes on the main goal, right? And there's a lot of guys that will play tonight that if you watched interviews of them, man, they love Jesus and they recognize that this is an opportunity just to be a platform to share the Lord with others. And thank God for those. Those are the guys that you root for, Amen. <laughs> But, but, you know, the pride of life is another pursuit. But, you know, how disappointing would it be to spend your life chasing those things as the goal to end at the end of the game, the whistle blows, and you look at the scoreboard, and you got a big goose egg, and you didn't win at the game of life. See, what I want to talk to you about today is really how do you live your life in such a way that you win the grand prize of eternity but you also experience satisfaction and joy in the game that you're playing here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Godliness is profitable. Everybody say godliness. Everybody say God's game plan. Encapsulated in that word is God's game plan. If you live by God's game plan, it's profitable unto all things, having a promise of not only the life that now is, so notice it's profitable in this life. So what that tells me is if you live by God's plan, there will be a satisfaction. There will be a sense of profitability that you see in your life. You will benefit from it, right? You won't just be an old poor pauper passing through till Jesus comes back suffering until the day that he just rescues you from this hellhole here called earth, right? Because some people believe that. No, you can enjoy this life. It may not be on the terms that we've talked about, you know, lust of flesh, love the eyes, pride of life, but there's a satisfaction and enjoyment in life that he can provide for you that brings great peace and happiness to you. And that's what this says. It says that it's profitable in this life and the life to come, right? Because you can eke out an existence here that's pretty comfortable without God, but when the life this that comes is over, the whistle blows, you wake up and wait, wait, I was playing the wrong game. I wasn't even on the right field. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is really, everybody say five. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll keep it quick. I want to talk to you about five simple parts of God's game plan to win in the big game of life. First thing is this. If you're going to win in the big game of life, you need to make sure you're on the right team. Everybody say, be on the right team. You know, after this game is over, and it's already starting to happen, but after this game is over, you're going to see free agency when it comes to the NFL causing guys to be, I mean, look for opportunities to play somewhere else. Why? Because they want to get on the team that will cause them to win. Some of them want to get on the team, they'll just pay them enough money. <laughs> 
But the real competitors, the real winners, they're, they're looking for a team they can win and play for. And the owners will do the same. The general managers, they'll look and scour the NFL looking for the right guys so that they can be on the winning team. You know, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, you may think otherwise, but that's filtered down even to the collegiate level. <laughs> And, you know, you got NIL and you've got uh, open portals and at the end of every game you got different, you, you, know, you never see the same team play more than one year for any college, right? But, but everybody's jockeying, everybody's wheeling and dealing to be on the right team. In the big game of life, what is the right team to be on? If you're here this morning, you probably know the answer, but first you need to understand there are only two teams you can play for. Only two teams, just like tonight. How many of you know who the two teams? Go ahead and put that slide up. Who are the two teams that are playing tonight? Kansas City and San Francisco. How many of you here are rooting for the San Francisco? How many of you want them to win? Raise your hand. That's a quiet group. How many of you here are rooting for Kansas City? How many of you can raise your hand and shout a little bit? All right, here's what, here's what I want to do for a moment. Everybody stand to your feet. Now, if you're a guest here and you don't want to participate in this, you don't have to. Just bear with my adolescence. Matter of fact, you might as well grab yourself. San Francisco on this side, Chiefs on this side. Wherever you're sitting, move to the side of the team that you're rooting for. You say, I could care less and just stay where you're at. Or if you just want to be rebellious and not move, stay where you're at. You're going to sit here the rest of the service. You're going to sit here the rest of the service. Just move to the side. Go ahead, move. You don't have to move if you're, Zach, you're, you're, you're on this side, so you can stay here. You're, you can stay in your seat. You can sit anywhere on this side, anywhere on this side. Okay. Now, one more time. How many of you are rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs? Let me hear it. How many are rooting for the 49ers? Let me hear it. All right. Have a seat. What are you doing, Connie? Changing sides back and forth? Make your mind up, lady. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, here's something I want you to notice. You ready for this? Oh. You fair-weathered friend, fan, changing. Oh, I got it, I got it, okay. Don't worry, we're in church. Nobody's going to steal your stuff. We'll come. Here's what I want you to notice. Whether you chose or didn't choose, you're on a side. Even if you didn't choose... You're right now sitting on the side of a team. And the point is this. In the grand scheme of eternity, you have only two teams that you can play for. And whether you're disinterested in the choice, whether you don't want to make the choice, whether you could care less about the choice, it doesn't matter. Your lack of choosing is a choice. And it's important for us to recognize that we have a choice to make. There are only two teams we can play for. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Everybody say kingdom of darkness. Everybody say the chiefs. No, I'm just kidding. Delise is running around the house. Red kingdom. I'm like, shut up. I'm a Raider fan. I can't stand the chiefs. That's enough to get a divorce over. I'm joking. She's much more important. We, we, we joke, right? God, forgive me. Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> Notice it says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Everybody say, kingdom of his dear son. So there are two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of the sun. How many of you all in the kingdom of the sun this morning? Amen. 
There are two teams that you can play for, and you have to choose a kingdom. Once again, your lack of choice is not a choice. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Your choice is this. Will you accept Jesus or will you not? Will you join his team? Because he has, he has drafted you this morning. How do you ensure that you pick the right team? How do you ensure that you pick the right team? How many of you know that tonight a lot of money is going to be lost on people that bet on the losing team? <laughs> a lot of money. Billions probably. A lot of money. Going to be lost on the guy who picked the right team. But what if the bettors already knew who would win the game? You ever remember Back to the Future, the guy had the book, right? <laughs> What would happen if, ever, if we already knew, if we already knew, which I already know, the 49ers are going to win the game? I'm just joking. <laughs> what if we already knew? I tell you what, the betters would place it all. They would place it all on it because they know what the outcome is. And the good news for us is simply this, that we already know who the winner is. Let me first of all show you the losers. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. Everybody say, losers. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon. Everybody say, loser. The ancient serpent. Everybody say, loser. Who is the devil? Everybody say, loser. Or Satan. Everybody say, loser. And bound him for a thousand years. When the thousand years was over, Satan was released from his prison. Verse 7, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet, everybody say loser, had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Any, now notice this. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Everybody say losing team. Now, unfortunately, many of those on the losing team, those whose name are not written in the book of life, just didn't answer the draft call that they got. And so that's the losing team. But let me show you the winning team. Verse, chapter 21, verse 1, 4, and 27. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Everybody say winning team. See, what the Bible tells us in the back of the book is that Jesus' team, regardless of what anybody pursues in this life, is the winning team. So how do you get on this winning team? As I said before, the good news is you've already been drafted. Draft day has already happened. Jesus hung on a cross and shed his blood and said, everyone that wants to come to me, right? Verse 22 and verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come, 
And let, him, let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take, for, take the free gift of the water of life. What is he saying? He's saying it's draft day and your name has been called. Right? So how do you accept the call? John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the son of God, sons of God even to them that believe on his name. The way you join the winning team is to accept Jesus Christ. What does that mean, to accept Jesus Christ? What does it really mean to do that? Does that mean that you sit in a church one day and because you're afraid you, you might go to hell and, and, and you'd rather go to heaven that you said a sinner's prayer one day? What does it mean to accept him? To accept him really means two simple things. Number one, you must repent. Everybody say repent. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice he said, in order to receive the team you want to be on, you've got to repent. What does it mean to repent? Does that mean you've got to live perfect? Does that mean you've got to be holy? No, repentance means to just change directions. It means to change teams. It means to answer the call for the team that you've been drafted by, Right? Every kid that gets drafted in March or whenever it happens, April, whenever the draft happens, every kid that gets drafted, they have to make a choice that I'm no longer going to be a retired college athlete and now I'm going to be an NFL football player. But you know, if you, if you watch the draft over the years, there have been guys who just wouldn't sign because they didn't want to be on the team, right? For you to be able to be on the team, you first have to make a choice that says, I want to be on that team. I want to change directions. I want to, I want to be a part of their plan. I want to be a part of their purpose. See, that's what repentance is. Repentance is a choice to say, I no longer want the life and the team that I have. I want the, the, the life and the team that God has to offer me. That's really important to recognize because just to say a sinner's prayer but to hang on to the life that you have because you want it, that's a real problem. That's how people get cut from NFL teams, Right? The, the fact of the matter is, is you can't join God's team without making the choice to say, I want to change directions. I want to be on that team. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to be the best player. Doesn't mean you're not going to drop balls, make mistakes. Doesn't mean you're not going to jump off sides or grab a face mask. Right? But what it means is, is that you want to be on that team, and I want to play for that team. I want to do what their plan is, right? I want that plan. That's what repentance is. So repentance answers the call, but how do you sign the contract? Real and simple, real simple. You sign the contract by believing and confessing. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. You don't sign the contract by being perfect. You don't sign the contract by trying to be holy enough. You don't sign the contract by trying to be the best player on the team. You sign the contract by believing something and confessing something. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice what it says there. The way we get saved is by believing something in our heart and confessing something with our mouth. What do you believe with your heart? It says with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Believes unto righteousness. What do you believe? You believe that I'm not righteous enough, but he was. So my, I'm going to believe that his sacrifice was enough to make me acceptable to God, even though in my own actions I'm not. That's the belief. And the confession is that he is your Lord. That's really where you sign on the dotted line and you say, I'm bending my knee to this team. I'm going to make him 
my coach. I'm accepting him. And so the first step is to make sure you're on the right team. What's the next step we should make if we want to make the right plays for the team? Secondly, and these will go pretty quickly for you this morning. Secondly is this. You need to believe the coach when the game says otherwise. Everybody say, believe the coach when the game says otherwise. Now, i got to tell you, this is, not, uh, this is not football, but in wrestling at times, they'll tell you to do something that looks like it's going to put you on your back, but it winds up putting you in a positive position. And the first time you do it, your mind actually goes, wait a minute, what? Right? I can tell you there are going to be times where God tells you to live your life a certain way or where there will be times where God says you're the healed of the Lord or you're the righteousness of God and you don't feel like it and life doesn't make you feel like it. Right? In those situations, if you want to win in life, you've got to believe what the coach said. You've got to believe that, he, that, that what he said is true. See, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. How does a person that is born of God overcome the world? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Right? What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you're going to win in life, the big, the big game of life, you've joined the winning team already, right? Eternity's there. You, you, you secured it. But if you want to win here too and make it pleasurable, you've got to have faith. You've got to have a mindset that says, Lord, my body is saying I'm sick, but you said I'm healed, so I'm going to believe the coach. The situation looks like I'm failing, but you said I can do whatever I put, whatever I put my hand to through your strength. So I'm going to believe the coach, Right? You have to make a choice to believe the coach. Number three, third step in God's game plan winning formula, whatever you want to call it. You focus on doing your job and trusting the process. Say, just do your job. The team that wins the game tonight is going to be the team that has the most people that just do their job effectively, right? It's not going to require the quarterback to be the center, it's not going to require the quarterback to be the tackle. It's not going to require the linebacker to be the safety, if you know football terms, right? It's going to be each guy doing his part and his job, and as they do it together, their success. The same thing is true in our, uh, on this, uh, you know, in, in our life and in the game of life we're playing. If you want to be successful, don't try to make the big plays. I'm just going to tell you right now from experience, don't try to make the big plays. Take care of the day-to-day what God has called you to do, and the big plays will take care of themselves. Micah chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8, it says, Will the Lord be pleased with with thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No, he has shown you, old man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What is his game plan? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What's he saying there? Don't get caught up in the big plays. You know, one of the things you'll find to be true is outside of a very special, unique individual, most of the guys in the NFL that try to make big plays, throw across the field when they shouldn't, it always winds up in a mistake. Instead of just executing and not trying to be Superman. You know, the great thing for you this morning is this, is God has not called you to be Superman. He's just called you to do what he's called you to do. He's called you to fill your part. He's called you to be a good dad. He's called you to be a good mom. He's called you to be a good employee. He's called you to be a a, a giving, contributing member of a church family. That's what God's called you to be. 
Notice what he says there. He says, first of all, he said, walk humbly. One of the things he said is to walk humbly. You know, the essence of humility is a bended knee that says, I recognize that you're awesome. Right? What he's really talking about is one of the values we have as a church, and that's to love God with all your heart. Part of being successful in this life is just making a decision to make choices that reflect that you love God with everything that is in you. He also said to be, have humility, to, to show mercy and to, and to do justly. You know, that really is encapsulated in what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings for the last six months. It's talking about loving people, valuing people enough to forgive them and not hold their transgressions against them, loving them, Right? Doing justly. Well, you say, that's not justice. They deserve something else. Well, don't you deserve something else? A just God made a decision that what's just is for the sin of the world to be cast on Jesus so that he could show us mercy. Right? And then, then, then not only that, but we need, it says, what it also says is simply this. It says, you know, that we should, we should do humbly and, and love mercy and all those things. That's really just boils down to just walking in obedience. Just doing what God has told you to do. No more, no less. Everybody say, no more, no less. That should relieve the burden of life. See, you don't win in life. I'm going to say this. The, the grand scheme of life, how many of you realize in eternity the way you win is just joining the right team? And once you're on the team, you've won, right? But the way you make your time here on earth enjoyable is by doing just what we talked about here, right? It may not produce the greatest achievement sometimes, Matter of fact, sometimes it may cause you to take a second place to someone else if you're going to walk in love, right? But what it will produce, and this is the important thing, this is really the important thing, what it will produce is peace and joy and satisfaction in your life, and that's what God has called us to. He's called us to a place, maybe you don't have the biggest house, although God would like you to have a bigger one if you want a bigger one, right? Maybe you don't have the, you know, the, the top title at your company or whatever, but at the end of the day, what God wants you to have is peace with him and joy and contentment in life, right? And for you to be able to have that in such a way that you can share that with others, Right? I got to tell you, you know, I, I, if you don't know this about me, but I, you know, uh, uh, 23 years I've been this pastor, but I've worked a secular job because I didn't want to put the, the entire financial strain of supporting me and my family on the church. If the church were bigger and larger, I might make that choice, but I just didn't want to do that. And I work for a company that's a billion dollar company, but I got to tell you something, I, 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 I can talk to the CEO of that company about my relationship with the Lord because there's a peace and contentment in my life that has nothing to do with achievement or title. And see, to win in the big game of life, to really win, it involves living your life in such a way that the God-shaped hole on the inside of you is filled. It's filled with the fact that I'm in a right place with God. I may not always be perfect. I may not always make right choices, but I'm living my life taking care of the day-to-day -to, -day to the best of my ability, right? And then what's the fourth thing on the plan? Really, it's, it, it, it follows up to that is that when you don't live up to that standard, just get back up when you get knocked down. Everybody say, get back up when you get knocked down. There are going to be times when we're doing our part and we don't do the job right on a football game. i got to tell you, there are going to be guys that jump off sides. Well, when they jump off sides, should they throw their helmet down and walk off the field and say, I quit? No. Get back up and try again. Everybody say, get back up and try again. 
First John, how do, how do you do that? How do you get back up when you failed or you made a mistake? I'll tell you real simple, 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 simple. It's not hard. Just embrace forgiveness. Just embrace the forgiveness that God offers. First John chapter, four, well, chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What does that say? That says that there are going to be times where you're going to falter and you're going to fail. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, here's the good part. He doesn't say, okay, so, so you're doomed, right? You're going to get excommunicated from the team. We're rescinding your contract. No, what he says there, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you fail, when you falter, don't quit the team. Run to the coach and say, I messed up. I'm sorry. And the great thing about God is this, the great thing about Jesus is this, he's not trading anybody from his team. See, there are many Christians that believe if they sin enough that Jesus will kick them out. The only sin that Jesus will not forgive you for is the sin of saying, I don't want you. Right? A lot of people say, well, yeah, didn't he say, though, there will be many that say in my name, I did this and I did that in your name, but he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Yes, that will happen. But what he said was, depart from me, I never knew you. He's not a liar. It means he never knew you in the first place. That's not a message for the believer. That's a message for the self-righteous and the prideful that say that I can live my life in such a way that I'll be acceptable to God. And he's going to say, that didn't cut it because there's a stain of sin. And my son gave his life as a sacrifice to forgive that and remove it, but you were too arrogant to receive it. See, what we find to be true is Jesus isn't trading anybody that comes to his team. John chapter 6 and verse 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. That is great news for all of us that fail at times. You don't get traded from the winning team because you fail or mess up. You get forgiven and you get another shot. Amen? As the musicians come, what's the final play you can make for the winning team? Here's the final play. Become a recruiter for the team if you want to be an MVP on it. Everybody say become a recruiter. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30 says this. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. There's wisdom in winning souls. MVPs of God's team are invested in winning souls. I just put it that very plainly. Why? Well, number one, because it helps people escape eternity and join the team. That's really important. I mean, as a matter of fact, in the grand scheme of eternity, that is the deal, right? But it also, you know, I, I got to tell you, one of the things that's really been rolling around in my heart over the last several weeks, as, as, even as I'm going to you know, continue with this series, For God So Loves the World, is this. How many of you realize a person that is in pain right now and doesn't have a relationship with Jesus is not thinking about eternity, right? And that's the beauty of the gospel, right? The gospel is good news, and it's not just a message of salvation in the, you know, sweet by and by, although that is critical, right? But it's also a message. Jesus said that I've been anointed to bring recovery of the sight to the blind and to heal the brokenhearted. The beauty of the gospel is, is it's not just a message of you get to earn your ticket to heaven, but it's also a message of that in Jesus, 
there are answers you're looking for. And as I think about that message and I think about the truth of that, oftentimes that's very hard to even explain to someone. Even the most versed, you look at, you know, you look at somebody who's in pain and you can tell them what the scripture says, but I'm going to say this and qualify it, so please, please hang on before I finish my statement. It's not just what the scripture says, it's an encounter with the one who gave us the scriptures that people need. The scriptures gets them to the place where they could have an encounter. And so one of the things that when I say be a recruiter for the team, yes, invite them to join the team. Why? Because eternity's at stake. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. But also because an experience with the coach of our team can bring the peace, love, joy, and help that people need right now. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus hits you where you're at so he can get you to where he wants you to go. Not so he can manipulate you, but so he can ha you can have the life you were created to have. Right? Our, our head coach has called us to do this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. Everybody say disciples. That's not just quick converts, man. That's pouring your life into somebody, saying, I want to help you. I want to bring you along the path. We at Grace have a, 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 a discipleship path that we try to bring people along when they make that choice. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to, observe, to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our head coach says, I'm going to be right there with you, but I want you to be a recruiter. I want you to invite people to join this team. Why? So they can make heaven their home, but also that because I love them and I want to touch them right where they're at right now. Amen? So what have we learned today? If we're, going to have, if we're going to win in the big game of life, we need to join the winning team. We need to believe the head coach even when life says otherwise. We need to just do our job and don't be, get caught up in trying to measure up or meet some achievement. Just do what he put in front of you today. He'll take care of the rest. Last of all, we need to embrace forgiveness when we fall short, and, and, and then we need to go tell as many people as we can about the team we're on and invite them to be a part of it. Amen? That's how you win in the big game of life. And if we do that, we'll be able to say, as Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for giving us a plan to join your winning team and then enjoy this life while we're waiting for eternity. Help us, Lord, to embrace these simple truths. Help us, Holy Spirit, just embed them into our hearts as reminders throughout the week that keep us on the path, keep us executing the plan and move us along to the place of contentment and joy in this life that you want to give us, productivity for your kingdom and reaching others, and prepare us to receive a crown of righteousness when we stand before you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you are here this morning and you've never joined the winning team, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I would like to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Not making a choice is a choice you've made by default to not accept him. Will you join the kingdom of his dear son? Anyone at all, would you raise your hand with me right now and say, yes, I need to make that choice. I don't care how old you are. 
first grader, second grader, fifth grader, adult, teen. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you like to do that right now? Just raise your hand, anyone at all. Wait just a moment longer. Okay. Everybody look up here at me. Now look at your neighbor and say, you've just been made a recruiter. You're on the team, I'm assuming, right? You're on the team. So the other four things are personal relationship stuff that we talked about. Make sure they're working in your life. But number five, I'm going to ask you as a church body, because there are people, this is not about, God, please, please, please let people hear the cry of your heart and not a pastor trying to build a church. There are people, I say it all the time, within a stone's throw of this building probably that are looking for answers, and Jesus is the answer. There are people that your life touch every single day that need to know the Lord, that need Him in their life, whether it be to secure eternity or whether it be they're just looking for answers. They don't have a church home, they're not active in their relationship with the Lord, and they need somebody. I'm going to ask you, as a faithful attender of this church, to embrace our three Sundays initiative. Make it your point to find people in your life as a recruiter for the team that you're playing on to join you at church for three consecutive Sundays. Why? Because three consecutive Sundays will give us a chance to present Jesus to them in the best of our ability. And hopefully at some point in those three weeks, I'm believing they'll have an encounter with him and lives will be changed. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Just before we dismiss, while you're standing to your feet, let me give you some instructions for the chili cook-off we're going to be having. I will tell you, though, if you have a prayer need before we even get to that, prayer partners, go ahead and make your way to the front. Um, just come see our prayer partners. They'll be praying with you. But here's how this is going to work, real simple. Um, all the chilies out there lined up. Please do not go and get big bowls of every one, right? <laughs> first of all, we have little cups. Go get sample cups first and taste them all, right? After you've tasted them, if there's one you want a bowl from and everybody else had a taste, then go get your bowl, right? Uh, but here's how we're going to vote for the winner. Um, out at the table, we have some dried chili beans. So everybody will get three votes. You're on your honor, right? We're not going to pass out three. Don't take 20 and drop them in one cup because it's your family member and you want them to win. Don't do that. Everybody gets three votes. So grab three beans after you've done your tasting and go just drop the beans in the cups you like. You can drop three in one, you can drop one in three, or you can do anything in between, right? But you only get three, all right? So um, anyway, um, that's how we're going to run that. So just head, as we're heading out and just here in just a moment, just to miss you, that's how we're going to do the game. And just hang around here, have some fun. We'll probably try to have some pregame stuff popped up on here if you want to watch some commentators talk about how smart they are about football, and most of them will be wrong anyway. But uh, if, you, if you have a prayer need, let me remind you, right over here are prayer partners. Let me pray a prayer for you. We'll bless the food, and then we'll just dismiss you, and we'll have a little fun together celebrating and having a chili cook-off. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you that you love them, that you care about them. Thank you. This is a fun Sunday we've planned together to enjoy some fellowship. But I pray that the point of all of this would be to bring us closer to you. I pray that you remain the goal in everything we do. So, Father, help us make choices. Help us make good choices on the winning team as believers in you to produce a life that can touch others while we're on this side of heaven and that will reap a reward when we stand before you of you telling us we did well. 
Thank you, Father, for that. I pray for each person here under the sound of my voice that your angels would camp about them, that they'd be protected from harm and disease and sickness and that they'd come back to worship with us again in Jesus' name. We bless the food we're about to receive and thank you for the fellowship being blessed as well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Enjoy the chili and go 49ers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.